everybody. Thanks for joining us for another great edition of Talking Tigs. Uh, once again, it is I, Scott Gerard, Tommy Johnson, and Daniel Zollinger coming at you this week, although uh, the last two are together once again in Baton Rouge. Uh, glad to see you guys reunited. I'm sure it feels so good. We got a great one to talk about. LSU had another great win with uh, a drubbing of Georgia State, 56-14, to 14, uh, right before uh, Thanksgiving week as we have this last regular season game against AM coming up. Uh, we got that, the rest of college football, and uh, anything else that uh, that kind of comes up. So before we get into that, I'd like to check in with you guys as always. How goes it? Good to be with you. Good to be here in person with Daniel. Scott, you need to get you need to get you down here as well. We can do <laughs> another yeah. uh, in-person podcast with the three of us. But um nice tiger win last night. Got to go to the game. Uh I mean, dominant defense. I think I mean we we basically predicted this game the way it, the way it would go. I think I mean, I think I said what I said like 54 or 53-17, something like that. Um I think y'all said something similar. It basically played out I think how anybody who's watched this LSU team throughout the entire season would think it would where defense gives up some some you know key uh touchdowns early makes it way too close than it should be for the first quarter and then uh but this lsu offense is clearly the best in the country and and was too much for for georgia state uh very cool to see Jaden have a, a really a career night and uh yeah quality win but again i mean it's georgia state so right uh good to be here scott and good to be back in louisiana for the first time well, in Baton Rouge for the first time this year, recording the podcast, like old times here with Tommy. Uh, I was on my flight last night from Florida while the game was going on, so I had to catch up on the highlights, but at least there was quite a, a long list of those to watch, so I enjoyed that. And yeah, looking forward to closing this season out as it seems like it just started yesterday with a yeah, big really. game against A&M coming up, uh, which I should be attending, so excited about that. And yeah, happy to, to break down this big offensive performance from LSU. Yeah, I see you rocking the Tulane shirt. Yeah, always ripping. Uh, yeah, I mean another great performance, another uh, record-setting night for for uh, Jalen Daniels. But um, yeah, uh, Tommy, I think I I don't remember my score. It was kind of up there. Um, but yeah, when I, I I wasn't able to catch like the first few minutes of it, so I, I knew LSU scored. And then I once I finally turned on the game, it was fourteen fourteen. I'm like, what in the world? is going on here please tell me this is not going to be another barn burner i mean the first i think it was first drive they shoved it down our throats to go seven seven zero <laughs> like i was watching i remember I, I was there and i'm i mean they they scored and i looked over i was like oh i guess i guess we're doing this i guess <laughs> i guess this is a real game yeah they, they scored a touchdown in the first three minutes i think their cornerback was like six of seven during that yeah. first drive like completing passes at will and said oh here we go their running back looked looked all world they threw a a, a long completion and where we also where we picked up like a 15-yard penalty for uh for pass interference i think on top of it or something like that i mean it was bad that first drive was terrible for lsu and the second drive for lsu's defense didn't look much better no, but everyone after that looked a lot better. Uh, thank goodness, because that would have just been horrible um, and probably taken away from uh, the great night the offense had. But yeah, I mean, uh, what else can you say about the offense other than they you know, set another record, or at least Jaden Daniels did? Um, I mean, this time he became the first player in LSU history with five passing TDs and two rushing TDs in the same game. Uh, I mean, he also tied Joe Burrow with a, a total in a game since goodness the uh that remarkable season the, the semifinal game Peach Bowl. Uh, Burrow yeah so don't know what else to say and I mean it's not just him right because Malik Neighbors Brian Thomas uh, even Kyron Lacey getting on at this time three three hundred yard receivers um but I don't know I, I'd still say it's it's mostly Malik and Brian Thomas and uh I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird because you see Marvin Harrison Jr. in the Heisman conversation, and like uh, from what I see, his stats aren't even 
Malik that, that's great. as good, if not better. Right. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just carrying over from last year. But anywho, uh, Tigers started messing around to start the game, but then they buckled down and uh, took took control, made it look good. Uh, so setting us up nice for next week. But yeah, um, I, I guess the one thing I said was they're probably going to let Jaden loose, try and run it up make him look not that he needs to look good, but you know, it's, it's a Heisman campaign. You gotta, you gotta campaign, right? Brian, Brian, uh, Kelly was already doing that last couple of weeks. They pretty much kept him in well, they kept him in the, the whole game. I thought we'd see Jaden run up his, uh, his stats definitely through halftime, maybe third quarter, but I mean, he was there the whole time. So I guess <laughs> almost the entire, I think, I think Nussmeyer had two drives maybe, right? Yeah, it was at the very end of the okay. Game. Yeah, but still, like we we thought, I I thought we'd have seen Nuss way earlier, but oh, yeah. um, guess not, because like I said, Georgia State uh, was trying to make a game of it, bless their hearts, uh, and they did. I mean, they're, I mean, they have upset some people, so I I didn't think they were going to be complete pushovers, but yeah, it was just you could see them moving the ball at will earlier on. So good thing we made some adjustments, whatever we did. I think we even lost, lost another defensive back as it were. Right. Didn't, um, Sam's go down like um, later third quarter, yeah, fourth quarter. He did. And Andre Sam did go down, but I think he came back into the game. Did, okay. Yeah, I know. I saw that and I go, Oh, great. Yeah. Here we go. L- lose another. One. It's going to be like the, the bowl game. What was it? Uh, two years ago where we didn't have, any defensive backs or yeah. any receivers or whatever it was. So I don't know. I was, I was worried that was going to be the case, uh, especially with one of our quote unquote rivals coming up this week, but um, we will still be at the same health as we were or strength uh, before this weekend. I mean, I don't know what to say other than yeah. I, I can't wait to see what the offense does this week. Just a classic Jaden Daniels performance and uh, the guy who, went underappreciated I think for a little while as the LSU quarterback now uh, I think neck and neck pretty much with Bo Nix in the Heisman race and it's sad that we probably only have one maybe two games left if he plays the uh the bowl, the bowl. game but uh got to enjoy while it lasts and then the defense I think had a good performance at least by their standards uh, anything under 30 points is pretty much a win uh it, I know it is Georgia State but at least we weren't completely porous and uh, especially with a lot of the younger players stepping up and, and filling in as we got into the second and the third string, uh, including eight tackles for loss total. Um, also, the only thing that is maybe a little bit concerning to me was the lack of a rushing offense outside of Jaden Daniels, as Logan Diggs is still out with a kind of, I think, an undisclosed injury. It's like upper body injury or something like that. I think. Yeah, so that's the second week he's been on the sidelines, and it's a little bit tough because the other guys, Caleb Jackson and Noah Kane and Trey Holly, got a, a mix of rushes in there, but nothing blowing you out the water. And it's not too bad when Jaden is so dynamic on his feet, escaping the pocket and on design runs, uh, but we may need a little bit more of that power back sized attack next week against A&M with some a lot bigger and, and stronger athletes up front. But if Jaden can keep playing like he is right now, then it's going to be hard to keep pace with him. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that, I mean, Josh Williams is, is he was steady, solid. I wouldn't say I mean, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. I'd, li- I'd, I'd like to have digs out there more than, more than anybody. But um, I, I was actually impressed. Um, it, might, it probably doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but uh, Caleb Jackson actually had a really good run. Um, and that was probably the f- one of the first, uh, kind of handoffs I've seen to him that's, that's been, you know, that I remember as like a, as a good run from him. And, uh, you know, I don't, I think he just, I think he's just young. Trey Holly got, got some, got some action last night too. So that was kind of cool. I think he yeah. caught, a, um, <laughs> caught a pass for a, a decent amount. Um, there, you know, we, at the running back position, like as far right now, as far as other than Josh Williams, like our main you know, two or three guys are all freshmen. Um, so we're, we're young at that, at that position. We're young. We're young on, you know, running back and defense. It's just the whole thing is it's just real young. So, and we're struggling there. So. Yeah, it is. It is 
fun to watch because uh, the one thing you could tell is we were playing somebody like Georgia State because she had so much time in the pocket, way more than we're used to seeing. And he just he would just sit back there, scout the field, and then all of a sudden you just see him. And it was pretty quick, too. He had a quick release. He would just throw it way downfield. You find Brian. You find Malik. Uh, just look really good. Um, and I think that's that's not really patch setting. That's just uh, taking what they give you. I mean, if if he's allowed to do that, then you do it. And he he was. So we did look good, man. Um, I thought one the one again the what was it that first one Brian Thomas had where he the guy was right with him and then he kind of dove to get to the uh, touch line or the goal line and he fumbled it, but it was a touchdown still. Um, but yeah, wasn't like a, I mean, he had some nice runs too. Jaden did not like a 85 yard run against Florida, but still, uh, I think it was enough to continue his Heisman campaign. I don't know if, you know, if it really would come down to next week, but I think we'll continue to see some stuff next week. Uh, but we definitely need to see the defense because A&M is not a game where we want to take lightly last year and then just crap out on the last game, especially at home. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of scratching our heads after that. So. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, you mentioned on the Heisman situation, it's kind of a three horse race at this point with one of them, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington being a, a little bit of an outside shot now at plus 500. So five to one when he was the the, fa- the favorite earlier in the season, he was a favorite for, I feel like the majority yeah, of the season quite a while. And then now the, the new odds on favorite is Bo Nix of Oregon uh, at plus plus one ten, So almost even odds there with Jaden Daniels in the middle at plus plus one forty, So slightly worse. Um, so between Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, uh, Jaden obviously had a great game, but Bo Nix threw six touchdowns in his own. So his campaign is strong. And obviously they have Oregon playing very well at this point and getting the opportunity to, uh, well, they've got their own big game this week against Oregon state, and then they can avenge their one loss against Washington in the Pac-12 championship. So not exactly preying on their downfall or anything, but Jaden could use a big, some help. Yeah. Could use some help from the Oregon state defense this week to, to step up and, and stop Bo. Well, he's just going to go all out for it at least. Um, maybe one good thing is we don't have to play Georgia's defense in the SEC championship to shut him down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good luck to him. And seems like he'll be a, a finalist at least in a season, which we expected good things, but not extremely great things like we have seen. Yeah. No, I don't think anybody expected Jaden to play like this. Um, so uh, I, I think that the main, um, the the I mean the main issue I keep thinking about with with Bo Nix being the the top dog for the Heisman right now is what do you think Auburn fans are thinking? Because the only reason he's gone is basically because Brian Harson, who's no longer there, you know, like kind of didn't know what to do with him, didn't want him there, um, and so can, can you imagine if if uh, Hugh Freeze had Bo Nix? I mean, I know they're not they don't have as talented of a team as as Oregon does, but you've got to think Hugh Freeze would be able to get get a lot of production out of him in the same way. If you know the guy, the same guy, if he's the same guy that is playing for Oregon right now, in the middle of the time when Auburn just lost big time to New Mexico State at home in a game which they paid one and a half million dollars for them to arrive while they're watching Bo Nix. Uh, being focused and having fun in a Heisman uh, <laughs> candidate season over at Oregon, I gotta feel pretty rough for uh, the Tigers. They're uh, they're not in a good place right now. Yeah, trouble on the plains. Yeah, you would think Hugh Freeze would not have lost to New Mexico State if probably had Bo Nix or. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> yes. No, I, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but I mean, yeah. As far as the campaign itself. I mean, I've heard plenty of comments about it, obviously, some that I kind of agree with. One, if you take Jaden off of LSU's, like if he wasn't there, I don't know, it's all hypotheticals, but if, you know, if something happened to Jaden early in their season, I don't think we'd be seeing quite this. I don't know that LSU's record would be as good as it is either. Don't know. I think that's Uh, true. Yeah, but I would say this, you know, think of, that situation with Oregon. Now, would Oregon have been completely 
uh, a different team without Bo Nix, like if they had somebody else in there. I don't know. Uh, I think Jaden's probably more valuable to his team. Uh, he's doing it against, I think, tougher competition overall. Absolutely. Um, and just, I mean, the the leap he's made from last year, it's not about that. But, uh, you know, we as Tiger fans can can definitely see this because we haven't really seen somebody do all this. I mean, we saw Joe Burrow do it, but we we kind of kind of had a sense that could happen. But like you said, Tommy, I, like no one really expected him to do this this year. Uh, all I really expected was to have a little bit more confidence throwing the ball. So we'd might see some more downfield plays, but we would still, you know, be running and doing a lot of short stuff. But I mean, this has been, it's amazing. Like when I don't think anyone outside of that locker room probably could have said LSU's going to lead the country in offense this year. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I thought we'd be good. I thought he'd be improved. Um, I, I. But I think you're. I think you're exactly right, Scott. I, I. I expected him to be able to take a little bit of the pressure off of himself running the ball, just because of an improved, improved um, technique and chemistry with his wide receivers. That's the only thing I, I didn't expect him to be as much of a downfield threat as he is. Because mm-hmm. we had question marks at the wide receiver position. Well, obviously, we knew Malik Neighbors was a thousand yard receiver last year, and Brian Thomas was showing a lot of flashes, but not exactly to the level that he's put up this year, which has really been exceptional. Yeah. And then after that, offensive line was good, but not great. And then the running back was kind of another question mark with Logan Diggs coming in, uh, and then having just a, a fleet of backs after that. We were doing more of singing the hopeful praises of the defense before the season started, um, especially at the D line and the, the linebacker position. And uh, that's been our Achilles heel in, in multiple ways. Uh, so, I mean, in retrospect, yeah, it's it's hard to say that we could have seen this coming from Jaden Daniels. Uh, the, the flashes were there, but he's just taking his game to the next level. And hopefully that continues in the NFL as he's currently pretty much rocketing up the draft boards. I would imagine. So, I mean, you think about it, like didn't Anthony Richardson go like high in the first round. He was, I think number four uh, player number, taken. Yeah. It was like number five or number four player taken overall. And man, you compare him to like Jaden, like Jaden Daniels had a way better year and probably better career than Anthony Richardson ever did. So people love, you know, they, they look for, they look at that talent stack. They look at that ability to, they, they, they want the, they want the guy who can run and pass and, you know, do all the things. Um, it's kind of, I mean, who would have thought Jane Daniels might be the, you know, top quarterback overall when he came to LSU. Right. I mean, I'd say he's one of the top QBs in the country. Uh, I don't know who they would, I don't even know if I haven't even seen any mock drafts, like who, who they might pick first. Well, who's consensus number one. And I think he's still there is Caleb Williams from USC. Although he's had a, Ooh, not, not a, wow. stretch, just, but not a, not a great stretch here. I don't know how you're drafting him after, after like some of the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, especially if he wants to part ownership of your team when he hasn't well, even played it down. <laughs> and then after that, a lot of mocks are still having a Drake may of North Carolina, yeah. like in the top five, he's put up big numbers too. Although North Carolina, the team is just not as good as some others. So I understand that. And he's got kind of the, the pro style passing attack. Yeah. Um, Jaden Daniels has a very unique skill set as well with his legs, which I don't think hardly anybody else does. And I think there's concerns about him putting his body on the line, getting blasted uh, repeatedly almost every game. Plus he's a lot older in his fifth year. So maybe not as much time to develop as like a junior quarterback, but he's proven that he has arm talent, foot talent, and is a winner. Uh, High IQ player. Yeah. So he he's bumped up his stock this year just about as much as anybody, I think. The one thing that I noticed last night that I I think um that I that I that really stuck out to me because it's the first time I've ever seen him in person. I didn't go to a game last year in person. Um and uh like the his ability to throw down the field and just drop it in buckets. I mean, you see it on TV and he, he looks great, but seeing it in person, I'm like, man, he really is that good. I mean, I, I was, I was, I'll I was like uh, sitting in the side of the end zone where he dropped that one into, to uh, Brian Thomas that he like kind of fell, fell onto the end zone. I mean, seeing that just drop right in, it was, I mean, man, it's, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know, uh, looking forward to A&M, 
you know, can we expect, I mean, I don't really think their defense is that great. Uh, hopefully we can expect to see some more of that this upcoming week. Uh, and yeah, hopefully we can see LSU's defense who after, you know, a couple drives from, from Georgia state kind of, uh, tighten the, the buckle so that they only gave up 14 points, which is great. And hopefully everyone's still healthy. You know, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get anybody back that we've been missing uh, in the next week. So what we have is what we have. And there's next week and then a bowl game, right? We don't have to, like you said, we don't have to worry about the Georgia uh, face-off or rematch in the SEC championship game they have Bama um, although I do have you know thoughts about that later but um, I don't know look I mean I really think I wish we could have just if that defense would have had one stop against Ole Miss we'd be in a lot better situation like we'd probably be going to the Sugar Bowl but I, I'm pretty sure Ole Miss will probably get that but um, I don't know maybe I should maybe we should just wait a week before we start um, theorizing on on where we'd land with a bowl game but because uh, we still have that one more game, and it it was it's not going to be a gimme. I mean, it sure wasn't last year when it should have been. Yeah, really. Yeah, this game against A and M, I'm excited for it because I'll be there. I was at the LSU versus A and M game, Joe Burrow's last game in Tiger Stadium uh, at home four years ago, and then so now we'll be here for Jaden Daniels last game in Tiger Stadium. So that's a, a bit of a a nice one in itself. But the the difference between finishing the season nine and three which I'll consider a, a good season versus eight and four, which is maybe an okay season is, is pretty big. Um, and it also gives you the opportunity to win 10 games. If you, if you take down the bowl. So uh, good luck to the Tigers there. And I'm sure Jaden Daniels is going to be trying his hardest to bolster his Heisman campaign as well. Uh, A&M, they have all the talent in the world, but have had kind of another middling season, obviously leading to the firing of Jimbo Fisher as of two weeks ago. But and, and they also have their backup quarterback playing as well because Max Johnson went down with an injury. Uh, so their backup backup Max Johnson's not even, their yeah, starter, they're, really. they're, they're three, three strings in at this point. And hopefully that'll be, that'll be good for LSU's depleted secondary, uh, especially and, and not being picked on too badly. I think our offense is just probably too strong. Although A&M has five stars or had at one point all across their defense. So uh, I see LSU coming out with a victory Maybe close, but uh, I think the home field advantage will be good. Hopefully the Thanksgiving crowd will be back in Tiger Stadium for that one, uh, cheering the Tigers on. We're favored by 11 points right now. It seems like kind of a lot maybe, but I see us winning something like 42 to uh, 35, uh, giving up a few, but uh, too much offense. Uh, I, I think we actually cover in this game. I I, I don't think a going to be that good, and I think they're, I think they're flat. We, we've got... I think that we have more to play for. I think that Jaden has a lot more to play for. And I think this team is probably is playing to get him a shot in New York. Um, you can see, I mean, that's the only reason Kelly kept him in. It has to be. Uh, right. Yeah. And so I think that they're going to go in this week saying like, come on, we got to, we got to put on a show for Jaden. Um, and I mean, you gotta, you gotta think also from the team perspective, they're more likely to get a good bowl. If the Heisman trophy winner is on your team. So, you know, there's, there's, it's more than just one. It's more, it's about more than just one guy having success. You, like, you know, the, these bowls are going to, they want to put together a good matchup. So when you have the Heisman Trophy winner, you'll be more, you know, you'll be more excited about that. Um, I think we win. I think we win by probably two touchdowns. I like, I like the, uh, I like the cover there. And I think, I think we put up, a, I think we put up a good amount of points. I think Daniel's right about, you know, putting up over 40 points. Um, you know, I'd say LSU um, 49, but I, I agree. I think we give up more. I'll say LSU 49, uh, uh, A&M 24. A&M 24. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it is one of those early games. So that is a good point. It's an 11 a.m. game, which. Yeah. <laughs> How do we do it? What's what do you think our general like? I don't. I mean, we we it's established fact on this podcast. We don't like the eleven a.m. kickoff from a personal standpoint. I would actually. I'd love to know if LSU does better or worse at eleven a.m. Well, last few years we had been doing better, right? 
Well, we lost uh, that that Tennessee game that was embarrassing. That one, yeah. That was an 11 a.m. game, I think. Yeah, Missouri was 11 a.m. this year, which we won, and a pretty close one. Uh, was that the only one we've played this year? Did Mississippi State? Yeah, Mississippi State was 11 a.m., which we won big as well. So I think we're 2-0 and this year on that. But yeah, the, the Tennessee one does stand out where we just came out absolutely flat. Yeah. I should have mentioned that last year we ended our season with a big stinker against A&M. True. Which pretty much kept us out of a New Year's Six Bowl last year, even with the loss to Georgia. Um, so hopefully we can get revenge for that because while the rivalry between LSU and A&M was very one-sided in our favor for a long time, I think A&M's won like three out of the last five or something. So uh, what they've built up as a rivalry is somewhat developing into one. And yeah, also big on the recruiting trail a little bit as A&M has taken a lot of our key guys in the past few years. I also heard, I don't know if, I don't know if this is true or not. I also heard supposedly A&M is, is going to be, is going to be taking recruits to this LSU game. Huh? Uh, on a away game? Really? Yeah. Which I didn't know they did, but I heard somebody say that yesterday. Well, I guess the one bring kids to butts kicked. That's on them. <laughs> I hope that's so. gonna happen. Uh, but yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they didn't really tear it up against. Let's see. Checking my notes, Abilene Christian. Uh, this past week, I mean, they were only up seventeen ten. They won thirty eight to ten. I don't know. I mean, and you. Noah Thomas. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jalen, like you said, Jalen Henderson. Um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think they, I mean, they're going to be in a bowl game. Obviously last year, that game against us was their bowl game. They gave it all. So definitely be on the lookout for that. But I think it is a different situation this year. Uh, I'll say, uh, yeah, I'll go with Tiger. I like the 49. I'll say 28. Nice. Nice. Hopefully we can get a 49, 28. Um, okay. One other, one other bit of news. I talked to Daniel about this. I don't know if you, Scott, have you heard the rumors about uh, Kelly, Brian Kelly having interest in the Michigan job? No. I mean, the one that's not even available yet. Yeah. This is Harbaugh getting fired and or going to the NFL. That uh, that people were that Michigan is reaching out to Brian Kelly and that he has interest in it. That came from Billy Lucci, who is uh, he runs Texags, which is like the the big like Texas you know Texas A and M rumor blog. Now I mean he it's not just like some guy. He's I mean he's pretty connected and, and knows college football. Um, but that, I mean I just right. found that I was kind of surprised. I mean I was very surprised about that, but. Uh, it doesn't seem that realistic to me. I mean, Michigan would have to break the bank, I would say, to get Brian Kelly to leave his already lucrative uh, position here at LSU. And Brian Kelly would be foregoing a potential buyout if he resigned and left for the other oh, yeah. job. So they would really have to be giving him like all world money or promising him like every resource you could imagine, which I mean, Michigan's a great program and they have all that, but they're kind of mired in the controversy right now. So it's, who knows if they're even gonna if they're even gonna have like are they gonna have any scholarship penalties or anything like for that? Yeah, right. So it, it doesn't something was the right time, I guess. Like, would Brian Kelly want to go in and try and fix that, or would he rather like Harbaugh blow himself up for another two years and then go in like at a calmer period? Uh, it just doesn't ring a, a lot of bells for me. Yeah, I just found it. I, I don't know. I I don't think that when I saw it coming from like somebody who I think is you know he's more connected than your average guy. He's not just some somebody on tiger dropping saying it I, I i was like man that's kind of interesting the only thing that i think counters that is the fact that when lsu was having their coaching search and brian kelly came here it was kind of out of nowhere like no nobody, yeah. nobody saw that coming so it almost says the president like if he did if he did it once could he do it again where just jump ship uh completely out of the blue and one day have on his lsu hat and the next day he's pulling on the m doesn't it doesn't it also kind of remind you of the old less miles days when like Every year towards the end of the season, people will be like, oh, Les Miles, he's going, he's taking the Michigan job. <laughs> Forgot about that. Well, but that I understand because, I mean, the guy played there, he coached there. Uh, I mean, he was part of that, the last great coach, Schimbeckler, you know, he was part of the, like the last historic coach, like that era. But 
for him to go to Michigan now, I don't know. I also remember Miles supposedly talking to Arkansas one year oh, too. Yeah. I'm like, they got him, they all got right, but contract. I know that's what I'm saying is like, like I know Brian Kelly's only two years in, but maybe it's not too early to start renegotiating because the, you know, the storm that was supposed to hit football, like that's, that's gone now. Right. So um, we kind of wavered that storm and he is possibly looking at back-to-back 10 win seasons, which, you know, it's, it's been a while since anybody's done that. He might say, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Actually, maybe he's maybe him or his agent or both of them are saying, wins the SEC championship year one, if he wins the get has a player that wins the Heisman year two, who he picked out of the portal, it's not somebody he inherited. Um, Kelly might say, "Hey, it's time to pony up even more." <laughs> Good goodness, I, I mean that's sad, but uh, what can you say? That's that's the business, right? That, that, is, that is the business, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, um, other than the A and M game, what other? games we're looking at to close out the regular season and the, the rivalry week. I know that the, big Ooh, the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously Ohio state, Michigan, I think, you know, depending on how that game ends, uh, cause Michigan will have done it without their coach. Right. So, uh, depending on what the final score is, I'd say the loser may not be out of the playoff. It just depends. Whatever else shakes out. Georgia's got Georgia tech, uh, you know, Alabama has the iron ball, which it's always good. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's never a gimme for them, even though, even though they just uh, Auburn just lost to New Mexico effing state. Uh, but I, I'm still interested in the Oregon, Oregon state game because I mean, Oregon state, they, they gave Washington everything they could handle. They only lost by two points. Uh, and there's been other games this year where Oregon state, I mean, they're, they're tough. Uh, I was wondering early in this year, like what, what's all this talk about Oregon state, but Dude, they're they're a good team this year. Um, it's, it's a shame the Pac-12 is dissolving after everyone's getting good. But if Oregon State takes care of Oregon, I think that eliminates them. You still have Washington, but um, I don't know. Uh, I would say Georgia winning. You know, Georgia would probably beat Georgia Tech. Then they play Alabama. That's another one of the games where I think it depends just how the game shakes out because Georgia doesn't have a loss. Alabama does. So I think if Alabama loses that, they're out. Bye-bye. See you later. If Georgia loses, but it's like on a, you know, by a field goal or a touchdown and it's close the whole game and they give us one of those games like they've given us in the last few years, I don't know. Hard, how do you keep Georgia hard, out? Because no. Georgia, I mean – would you would anyone really bet against Georgia at this moment? Like you said, Tommy, there's not really a marquee team this year, but it seems like at the end and they, Georgia doesn't really have like a really amazing win. I mean, they've they've won handily against some ranked teams, but it's not like two years ago where they had Oregon or a couple of years before that where they had Notre Dame. Yeah. Their schedule has not been anything outside of the SEC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as long as but if they finish undefeated, of course they're in. If they barely lose to Alabama, I don't know. Otherwise, I'd say, man, I'd I'd say it's highly possible Georgia could three peat. I I think that's more. I think that's probably what's going to happen. If I had to, if I had to pick today, I'm picking Georgia to three peat. Um, I think that I think they're going to be too much for Bama in the SEC championship. I mean, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But um, oh, I, I think another one to to um. To watch the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I think that Ole Miss has a has has a decent amount to play for, and and Mississippi State could be a spoiler for them, like they like to be. Yeah, on Thanksgiving night on Thursday, I remember that they had that last year, and I watched it. And it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, after the NFL is kind of winding down, and then you, you mentioned the Oregon State, Oregon uh, to keep Oregon's playoff hopes alive. That's on Friday night as well, so uh, a whole weekend worth of college football. The the big game between Ohio State and Michigan is at the same time as LSU. So for those watching on TV, you're gonna have to flip back and forth for that one. Uh, but yeah, a few other interesting ones you mentioned, like the the Iron Bowl. Um, Colorado goes to Utah. The Colorado hype train has pretty much fizzled out at this point, well, uh, and they're not even gonna be able to make a bowl. But can Dion save face with a, a last minute win? I think that could be interesting. Well, it's not saving face. They were a one win team last year. <laughs> 
was true. But I mean, for all of college football being wrapped around their finger for the first like four weeks, it's kind of unraveled a little bit. Uh, one last one I wanted to point out was Florida State going to Florida. Um, FSU with Jordan Travis getting his leg injured well, badly. Did y'all see it? I didn't see the video. I didn't want to I see did, it. I did. I did. I had another comment about that, but yeah. And then uh, Florida, Graham Mertz, their quarterback, apparently had a pretty gruesome injury as well, so he's out as well. Oh, really? So oh, the, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's the battle of the backup quarterbacks, and Florida State needs to win it to keep their playoff hopes alive. People have been discussing that even if Florida State finishes undefeated, they might not even make it into the playoff now without Jordan Travis because the committee considers that. True. And do they want to put in a team that's going to get blown out with a backup quarterback over somebody else who uh, may put up a better fight? Hard to say. That's well. That that's. I mean, you think about that situation lining up for Bama and Georgia. If you know Bama, maybe Bama wins, like you said, Scott, a close one in the SEC championship, and you have an undefeated FSU, an ACC champion, undefeated FSU. And then a one-loss Bama uh, SEC champion, and then a one-loss Georgia, whose only losses to the is in the SEC championship. I'm leaving FSU out without Jordan Travis and putting Georgia in, right? Mm-hmm. If the if the goal is to put the best product on the field, yeah, yeah. But how do you put a one-loss team ahead of a zero-loss? Because then you're also looking at Ohio State and Michigan. And again, if that's another close one. Like you, you can't put all four of those teams in there. Someone's got to lose because you still have, uh, like you said, if, if Florida state was to remain undefeated, uh, but if not, then you have Washington right behind everyone else, you know, chomping on their heels. Uh, if Washington in a, I don't know, it's a mess. Yeah, this year is interesting. I think cause normally there's less undefeated teams. So like you have, maybe one or two undefeated teams are like, all right, they're locks. Yeah. And then everybody else is still in the mix with five undefeated teams going into week 12. It kind of creates a lot of possibilities for chaos, but we've been dodging the chaos the whole season because they just keep winning and winning. Yeah. Um, obviously one of Michigan and Ohio state is going down, but there's so uh, that big group of four one loss teams afterwards, they all have realistic shots. Even I would, I mean, it's very outside chance, but even Louisville, like if they crush FSU and then other teams fall around them, they can find themselves in there. So I think there's a, a broader field of kind of playoff contenders this year than there has been in the past, even if, and, and that may be a product of not having that one team. That's just the the steamroller at the top. Uh, so it'll be an exciting last two weeks. And I think it, even if this next week outside the, the Michigan Ohio state game, isn't as premier, it'll give a lot of weight to the conference championships, which I think is what the committee wants at the end of the day. Uh, because a lot of those winners are going to be like win and you're in. So uh, looking forward to that as well. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, starting next year, it won't even matter. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll have like nine and three teams, like kind of biding their time. Yeah. Trying to get into the playoff. And that, I don't know if it's going to be more or less fun. Cause like LSU, like we could still be a playoff team possibly. Cause we're number 14 right now. And if we smoke A&M and other teams lose, like we could back to work back to our 12 team playoff over 11 team spot. So uh, plenty of possibilities there and you it'll be really hard to eliminate people after like one loss or even two or three losses so uh, i guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there but uh excited for a, a big end to this year it is weird you know it, that, this is actually the first time i just thought of it but okay this time next year there's a hot i think there's a half decent chance that we're looking forward and preparing for a playoff a playoff game potentially hosted here if not on the road somewhere, it could be all over across the country, anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not talking about a bowl game. I'm talking about a playoff game. Cause even if you start the season, Oh, and two, or possibly even Oh, and three, like you're, you're still in the mix, which I guess it gives people a lot of hope, but cause this year, like after we lost to Florida state, it wasn't, over. it wasn't impossible, but it was like, all right, we're pretty much done. Yeah. But at, at that time, like you lose to Florida state, you're like, all right, we can learn from this, pick it up and still come in as the eight seed or something. So uh, that'll that'll be exciting. Yeah, and uh, one other thing to mention, just because I I imagine it's going to happen at some point. Uh, Notre Dame goes out to Palo Alto to play Stanford. Notre Dame has the same record as we do. If we both win, you know, um, we're we're going to be in one of these floating bowls, and I don't know. I, I could totally see them pitting us against them coach against his former team 
I feel like we have scores off Notre Dame if we play them. I mean, I'd hope so. Uh, uh, but I mean, What's I just want to win. Range right now? Notre Dame is 19 and LSU is 14. Or no, Notre Dame is 17, LSU is 14, excuse me. So in the same vicinity, but uh, Notre Dame, they've had some ups and downs this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that Florida State Florida game will be interesting because at that point, Florida is playing for bowl eligibility. Uh, not that they, you know, I really want to see them in the postseason, but like it's still possible. I know Billy Napier's, uh, you know, scrounging at that like, point. Is he, starting to, is he coaching for his job at this point? Like, probably maybe not this year, but next year, I feel like that he'll start out on the hot seat. Oh, yeah. If he loses that, they don't play in a bowl game. Like, when's the last time? Well, uh, I know it's happened within the last 10 years, I think, but I mean, Florida's usually good enough to go to a bowl game. Did I did? I wonder if Mullen always had a bowl game. I yeah. bet I bet it was Will Muschamp. I bet I bet Muschamp missed out on a bowl game. Uh, did he? Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Maybe Zook, Ron Zook did, or the McElwee. <laughs> I've Coach had so McElway. many coaches. I about him. The guy with the shark photo, which wasn't really him, turns <laughs> out. Uh, but that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Mullen got fired when he was five and six in 2021 at Florida. Uh, um, other than that, he had a 10 and three, 11 and two, and eight and four season. So not bad. But then he had one down season and they, they pulled the cord. I yeah. But there was not living up to expectations before that, although 10 and 11 wins. That's, I mean, in this, in this league, in this age in college football, that's not fireable. I forgot that the 2019 season that we won, Florida finished 11 and two. That was that was, that was our biggest. I mean, that was our biggest test. I mean, to you know, bef- it was the Florida game. Dan, I was when we were. I was at the game last night. Was thinking about the atmosphere of that Florida game. Daniel, you remember it? Mm-hmm. That was the most inner. I mean, that was the most energy I've ever felt in Tiger Stadium of all time when we beat yeah. Florida. Oh my gosh, that was crazy. And I mean, it was. I remember it was Texas. It was Florida. That was game day. Game day came to Flor- to the Florida game, and then it was Bama. Those were like you know the, the benchmark games for us um, that year. Man, yeah. what a year! <sighs> what a year! I know, and yeah, I mean this year could have been that year if we had a defense. But I mean, the fact that we we'll, we could possibly still see a, a Heisman season would be amazing. Um, but going back to uh, Travers, because I had seen this elsewhere this week where uh, I was watching some of the game and they were talking about it, I think, uh, because if you did watch that play, and I've seen, you know, you could look back to the LSU-Alabama game, like the horse collar, they've made that illegal in the game anyway. You know, it's just a 15-yard penalty. Targeting is all over the place. I was watching the first few minutes of that Michigan-Maryland game. There's two targetings they reviewed they 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 didn't didn't end up calling it or rejecting the players but it's like just watching those plays they don't look that much different than some of the other stuff where we've they look worse than some of the stuff our guys have been ejected for or, or other players um so they still got to figure that out but the one they're starting to talk about is this new hip like pull down, drop down, where the, the guys hold onto the hips and they try and pull the guy down. And that's exactly what happened to Jordan Travis, where he was pulled down and the linesman's body laid down on his leg. He went one way, leg stayed still. That's what happened. So they are, I don't know, it sounds like they're going to they're gonna look at that now to try and eliminate that. But I'm thinking... So what else is left? Like, like just how a are basic... you supposed to tackle this person? Yeah, because with targeting, you can't come from the top. And then, like you said, with this new kind of falling tackle where you kind of grab them from the like, legs and then you kind of lay on them, like, you can't come from below. So you pretty much just got to stand there and let them run into you and hope they fall over. Uh, it's tough as a defensive player. And I know they want to protect player safety, and I'm all for that. Uh, but it, it makes the game difficult to play and difficult to judge because then – Almost every play, the the refs are trying to make a judgment call on: is this targeting? Is this a personal foul? Uh, then you get into subjective wins and losses, and uh, a lot of arguments. So, and uh, it's hard. And then you know what? From the fan perspective, you make the game even slower. Yeah. And I noticed it. 
I haven't I haven't noticed it as much on TV. Boy, did I notice it yesterday. The amount of time we stop and the guy comes out with the sign that says three minutes because because anytime they take a stoppage of play, they go to commercial because um, we got to make money. We got to sell those ads. Uh the I mean, first of all, the the crew. If you if you watched that game last night, the referee crew was terrible. I and and I'm I'm not I'm not arguing with them on calls. <laughs> like I like I mean that's that's you know I don't care. You neither here nor there. It's the it's the fact that the amount of times they they changed the call, they called something, and then like the white hat had to go talk to his buddies, and then like they were like, oh wait, sorry, it was this penalty was on the other team. Like they couldn't they couldn't get basic things right. They called unsportsmanlike conduct on on Georgia State, moved the ball fifteen yards. Then we they were we were about to take you know we had the ball we were about to start our play. They blow the whistle dead and move the ball move the ball fifteen yards the other way because it was because they messed up who actually got the unsportsmanlike conduct. So, like I mean that that crew was just I don't know if that was a training crew. I it, to me it felt like to me it felt like it was somebody like four or five guys who were just learning how to be refs and like this is their first time to try it. Um, it was so poorly done, but what what that i think that means for the bigger experience and then you bring in like you said scott if we're if we're evaluating even more tackles all these games are just going to take longer now i guess the 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 conferences the tv stations love it because when they review now if they review leg targeting they'll cut to commercial and make more money but from the fan experience i mean especially in the stadium you know with the commercials on tv you can get up you can go get a drink you can talk to your friend you can check your phone you can do whatever in the stadium i noticed it i mean you're sitting there you're just sitting there waiting for and it kills the energy of the game kills the energy kills the momentum you're sitting there waiting for the white hat to look on look under the cape and watch a ipad i mean it it, it just they need to they need to be able to if if they actually cared about speeding up the game they would do something about that they wouldn't because but of course they don't actually care about speeding up the game for the enjoyment of the fans. They care about speeding up the game on the field. So that way they can sell more ads. Right. And compl- get on to their next programming, which they've also pre-sold ads for. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I can imagine how it's different because for us watching at home, you know, if it is just a review of a targeting, we're sitting there watching the replay at different angles and they're talking about it. Now they're, you know, then they're cutting to the, some you know officiating experts in yeah. in some other city. Well, what do you think? Well, I don't know if you're looking at the definition, so it doesn't seem as bad. Or you know, I, you just go to the bathroom, go fill up your drink or grab a beer or whatever. So yeah. it, it it may not seem as much to us at home, but yeah, I can imagine how in the stadium or even now sometimes it's like they'll do a, ha- a split screen where you're watching what's going on, but then there's an ad playing. And just because they know they'll have 15, 30 seconds to squeeze that in there. But it's probably different in the stadium. I mean, I don't have a problem with ads in general. I don't have a problem. I understand the business. I understand how it works. But, you know, with this was the first time I've, I had seen the new rules, the new, like, you know, game tempo rules, the the clock, running clock, all of that in person. And the everything that people have complained about through the entire season um daniel i think you sent us that video it was like college football has a has a has a uh time problem or something uh-huh. you know basically that you're not you're getting less football and more time watching you know watching deliberations yeah that, that was after the week zero games or because people were interested to see how it would actually affect it and then the stats showed that there was i think like seven percent less plays and like eight percent more commercial time so and i think that's been borne out to be true over the course of the season uh, so it's good for the networks and kind of bad for your average Joe trying to enjoy the game with his friends, especially if you're there, because it's it, it's really not fun just watching the two two teams just stand in huddles. And I think for three minutes, I think they've extended the commercial break time, maybe I'm delusional about this, but I remember going to games in the past and the guy with the clock coming out and reading like two minutes. And then after a while, they had a two thirty and then now that's up to three minutes. So maybe that's changed. But I feel like that's kind of gotten stretched out a little bit, too. It might have. I know. Um. I mean, I, I just, I, I do, I do know because I saw it every time they, they reviewed, they reviewed for targeting, they reviewed for, they reviewed touchdowns, whether like they reviewed Brian Thomas's touchdown, whether it was touchdown and they reviewed, um, 
catches and every time they review they're taking three minutes and cut into commercial mm -hmm. and the guy comes out there and he stands with the thing um and yeah i mean it's it's just i've never been a guy who really hates on commercials or hates on but ugh, it doesn't make you want to go to a game in person i mean like i'm sitting i'm sitting there i'm like this is you know now i get it now i get what people are complaining about yeah well, we shall see, uh, you know, if that changes in the off season. I don't know. I, I definitely think they got to figure out this targeting stuff. They probably won't. They'll probably just leave it at is because, I don't know, it keeps people heated, keeps us, keeps us watching because we're not going to stop watching just because of targeting. So I, I, I don't know that they're going to do anything different because it's it's all based on, uh, you know, human calls in on, on a bang-bang play in the moment. So I – Oh, we'll just we'll you know, we'll we'll consider that in our uh, in our teaching and our training in the off season, but they're not gonna do anything. They're not. Man, I, I hope not. Anywho, um other than that, uh I don't know, do we do we have anything else? I think that's it. Um yeah, tune in, eleven AM Central Time. Tommy and I should be in attendance yep. if all goes to plan, and hopefully we come out with a Tiger win to uh, end the regular season on 2023. Sad to say, but yeah, here we are. I know. Can't believe we're about to go bowling. No. My goodness. Um, but I, I think it'll be a good send-off for uh, Jaden Daniels and, and all the other, you know, the seniors, the guys that are uh, playing their last game. Uh, I, I will say... I, I did like the uniform combo. I think that's a good look, right? The purple and white. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. Um, the white helmets. Yeah. What was the one? What was the one we? The other one we did this year that I, that I didn't. They have the all white jerseys with, with the white helmets. Yeah. Um, before, which was it was kind of weird because they had the conflicting stripe pattern. Oh, that's what that's what I didn't like. The white. <laughs> yeah, that's what I didn't like. Right. Uh, well, anyway, I, I imagine we'll be back in the same old uh, white jerseys, gold helmets. We should, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but anyway, I think that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Uh, definitely tune in next week. We will have the last game against Texas A&M and all the other final week games. And, I don't know, hopefully give us a little bit more idea of who might have a leg up in the Heisman race. Hopefully it's Jaden Daniels. Uh, remains to be seen. But until then, hope everyone has a great week. Uh, safe travels out there if you are going around for Thanksgiving. And same as always, stay safe, stay tuned, and we will talk to you next time on Talking Ticks.